Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Happy Horns and Hump Day, Pagans Tonight Radio listeners. You are tuned into Great Right Radio. We are so excited that you're making us part of our part of your Wednesday and that you are going to be part of our Wednesday. You are listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure, the show where we talk about sex, relationships, love, dating, queer issues, and more, all from a pagan perspective. I am Dr. Susan. And I am Michael Graywolf. And we would love it if you were part of the show tonight. You can do that by calling in in the U.S. at area code 347-308-8222. And uh, if you call in, hang out for a little bit. We will get back. To, we will get to you in the queue. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allactslove. You can follow us on Twitter at, at, at love and pleasure, and that's love, L-U-V, and pleasure. Or you can drop us an email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. We are... Uh, looking forward to tonight. I am actually our special guest. I'm going to be talking about my trip to <laughs> Paganacon, and Michael's going to get a chance to interview me for a change, which should be great. But we've been it's been a couple weeks since we've been on, so what's been going on, Michael? Oh, not well. I, I was going to say not a whole lot, but actually, you know, quite a bit has been going on uh, with me in my personal life. Uh, you know, as everyone knows, I've been looking for jobs. I have a couple of leads, so fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about, you know, one of them had a really good job interview yesterday. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Um, I'm also, I'm trying to get uh, everything figured out because, unfortunately, this year I'm not going to be attending uh, Pagan Spirit Gathering. My first time since I started going to a festival that I'm not going, and I need to send a few people some emails and whatnot because I was a coordinator last year and I got an email asking if I was going to be one this year. So I need to send an email reply saying I won't be there. Uh, But, you know, keep me in mind when I do make it back. (laughs) Um, And I'm also trying to, you know, figure out logistics for, since I'm not going to um, PSG, I really want to try to make it to Between the Worlds in September. Now, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, that all depends on the job situation because that's going to be like a week off and you know, new job. So hopefully I can negotiate that. But uh, other than that, I had you know, some, a little bit of family drama like last week, but worked out really, really well. Um, I had, my, yeah, my youngest sibling is a transgender, and he finally came out to our mother. So, oh my, that's that's always an adventure. So yeah, he he, it, it was a lot of pushing from me. Well, not pushing. It was more like you can do this. If you put it off, it's not going to get any better. You just you know, do it because he he had done the thing that I know a lot of people do whenever they come out. However, you like if you're coming out as gay, if you're coming out as transgender. Um, he wrote a note and left it <laughs> waited for her to find it. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, yes, that's always nail-biting when you do something like that. So 
he yeah it's like oh yeah he was gonna he was actually planning on avoiding our mother for the, like a few days so i was like no go talk to her <laughs> right you like you already did it. you need to just talk to her and he did and you know it's going slow you know my mother is not me who is very progressive and in the community and has interacted with people who are transgender or gender nonconforming or however. So she slipped quite a bit. And and I am stopping myself from, you know, jumping down her throat when she does. And I'm like, no, wait, this is all new to her. We got to give her a little bit of time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard stuff, but it can be navigated. It's never yeah. a straight line, yeah. though. Oh, that is so true. But, yeah, so that's been my life. And I know you were at uh, Paganicon most of this past weekend, and I don't know. When did Paganicon start? Was it on a Thursday or Friday? Friday. Uh, Friday at, I think, 11 is when they opened up for registration. Um, so I was there, uh, I went Thursday and, and spent some time with a graduate school friend who I was staying with. And, um, you know, that was exciting because I'm, I, at, at the time that I left, I was halfway through my third week at this new job, um, mm-hmm. which was is very intense. Uh, those of you who are used to listen to me wax poetic about how I am broadcasting from my beautiful office in, on the ninth floor of a, of a high rise building in Denton, Texas. Well, no more. Um, I am working from anywhere at this point, and uh, right now I'm working from my home office with my door shut so that you don't hear my cat's collars jingling, um, and I, I love my new job. I love my new job, um, but you know, any shift to a new job is, is intense, and training is intense, and this is a particularly fast-paced environment, so uh, I have been sort of adjusting to that, and I had to work on Thursday when I got to St. Paul. So uh, my friend and I went and holed up at a cute little coffee shop and he graded tests and uh, I worked on papers. Um, and that has been, I mean, the new job has been sort of the excitement <laughs> for the last mm-hmm. uh, couple of weeks, although I'm also getting ready to lead a retreat and I've got a, a moon ritual and all my regular stuff sort of happening. Uh, but yeah, I was in, uh, was in Minnesota from Thursday to Tuesday and uh, Paganicon, went from Friday morning till Sunday afternoon. And then I went and spent some time with uh, my best friend. Who's been my best friend for 40 years. Um, She lives about 30 minutes outside the city. So, and she is a very spiritual person. So uh, the pagan shenanigans continued (laughs) (laughs) Uh, out there. It was, it was lovely. Um, So it was, it was, uh, Paganicon was very intense. Um, I mean, there were, there were, 774 of us when all was said and done, which is a lot of pagans. And, mm. uh, you know, it, it there's a, a lot on the schedule and a lot to see and a lot of people to talk to. And as with any event, I think especially those who have either been to Pantheacon or Twilight Covening or even to PSG, which is uh, such an interesting hybrid of like a convention and a festival and the way that it's scheduled, you know, there's yeah. all the things you think you're going to do and all the people you think you're going to see. And then there's what you actually get to do and who you actually get to see. And those two hardly ever match up. 
Very true. So, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You get, I mean, I always say there's the things I intended to do every day that I went, and then there's the things I actually did, and the things I actually did were what I needed to do. So, mm. it was a lot. Um, I was definitely glad to get home last night, but I am definitely looking forward to going back next year, and uh, and and probably staying at the conference hotel this time because um, I stayed with a friend in St. Paul, so it was an hour commute by train every day, which makes things complicated. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was good, and I had um, a few people who knew that we do a show ask me where you were <laughs> when they realized who I was. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> tell you there are a lot of pretty men in kilts up there michael oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta tell you i gotta tell you um was it cold you know it wasn't bad it was um in okay hang on let me back up i'm a i'm a native midwesterner um and so it was in the 40s during the day um in the twenties at night, it wasn't bad. It snowed a little the day that I left, but it, it was not bad at all. Um, it, it could have been so much worse. There was still snow on the ground, but you know we didn't get rain or anything. Um, and and forties in the in March in Minnesota is like you know forties out, shorties out. So um, <laughs> it was, it, it, you know, I I had to drag my heavy coat with me on the train because in the evenings and the mornings it was cold, but. You know, if I went outside of the hotel, I had to go across the street to get lunch, which I did a couple of times. I just left my coat um, on one of the coat racks in the uh, in the office and didn't have to, you know, carry all of that around. Um, we we lucked out; it could have been a lot worse. Um, and I and I think it was really nice for people who were traveling. So yeah. I, you know, um, you know I, I I I say you know, wasn't it cold like? You know, I haven't lived in that weather. But, you know, coming from a Texan point of view, that's pretty darn cold. And I would not be wearing Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I was telling my friend who I stayed with, who's, who's a native Dallasite, um, when he came in from walking the dog in the morning, he's like, it's 23 degrees. I'm like, it's 82 in Dallas. He's like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually do that quite a bit to my boyfriend. <laughs> them pictures and it's like sunny here and it's cloudy there he's like uh (laughs) (laughs) so was was this your first time in st paul this was um not my first time in minneapolis st paul but it has been a long time Uh, although ironically uh, the last time i spent any any time of, of consequence in minneapolis was for my best friend's wedding which was actually held in the exact same hotel that Pecan was held in. <laughs> I, kept, I, kept, I kept walking around outside the vendor rooms, which were in the big ballrooms, you know, and going, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've been here before. And uh, when, my, when my friend picked me up um, on, on Monday, she, you know, she picked, when I got out to my friends on Monday, that, that poor Uber driver didn't know what hit him. Um, <laughs> but because uh, we haven't seen each other in like six years, so – she basically like dragged me out of the car and we started weeping all over in the, all over each other in the driveway, you know, poor dude. I hope she gave him a good tip. Um, but when she asked where the convention was, she was like, Oh yeah, we had our wedding there. And I was like, that's why I couldn't remember if I had been there 
before because it was vaguely familiar, but I was so drunk at her wedding. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, it was 19 years ago and I was so drunk. And I was like, oh, that's why it's like, oh, I think I remember this stairwell. Oh. Um, so I thought that was sort of an interesting book ending to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I really got to spend time. My friend lives in Lower Town in, in St. Paul, which is a really cool neighborhood. So I got to spend time in the neighborhood, too. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I know, Dr. Susan, you, you host you know, a couple of retreats here in Texas, and you've gone to a few here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Paganicon the first, like, big event you've been to in a while? It was the first big event I've been to in a while um, because I haven't been to PSG in, it was 10 years last summer since last time I've been. And I had been to um, CMA, uh, you know, once or twice over the last 10 years, but this was the first like big, big thing I've been to in a while. I um, tried to go to PantheaCon a couple of years ago and it just didn't work out at all. Um, so it was, it was interesting. You know, the, the retreats that I had been going to here in Texas were very small. There were, you know, often less than 150 people. So, um, this was a lot. And, and quite honestly, this is the first event I've been to where there were cis men there in a long time. Mm. I was just like, which is, it's fine. I mean, it's not all paranoid, but it was just really, it was interesting to be in a, a, um, I mean, I'm in mixed gendered settings all the times, but um, to be in a pagan setting that was mixed tradition, that was mixed gender. Um, and, uh, you know, because it's it was uh, Minnesota, I mean, lots of North stuff on the schedule, which is pretty cool. Um, there are a lot of people in Minnesota in the heathen community that are really trying to take on the kind of like racist and white supremacist stuff that's going on uh, within mm-hmm. heathenry. Um, so there were some really good, I mean, obviously I didn't get to go to them all, but I talked to lots of people who went, um, really good stuff, um, put on by that community, the Viking encampment from Minnesota Renaissance Festival came and demonstrated a shield wall and did a, a, a um, weapons demonstration. So there was some very good, uh, very positive heathen representation there. And I think that that's so important because there were lots of youth and lots of new pagans. And I, it was really nice for them to see um, a, a representation of what, what heathenry should really look like so that if they want to explore that and they wander in some place that's not doing it the way it should be done, I think they'll probably be able to see those warning signs um, mm. and to see um, uh, you know, folks in the heathen community interacting with people of lots of other traditions, I think is really key too, because that's often something that doesn't happen. Um, they often, at least here in Texas, very much hold their own events and don't really kind of get down with anything that's kind of Wicca flavored mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, so it was it was really nice, and I'm sure uh, you know, any event of 800 people is going to have like crap and interpersonal dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. But you, know, you add in, you add in um, Midwestern nice, and everybody was just so nice. <laughs> so nice. Um, and I will say I saw a lot of gender diversity and a lot of um, well, okay, I won't say a lot of racial and ethnic diversity, but we are talking about Minnesota. So the yeah. the the crowd was um, a lot less overwhelmingly white than I thought it would be, which I think is a I, I like, a credit. What, what was that? 
was, I, that was actually going to be something I was going to ask you because I was wondering how diverse the like population <laughs> who attended was. It, it was. I mean, of course, I'm only you know from moments of time. Um, I'd be interested if I don't know if they even collect that data. Um, mm-hmm. But first of all, they do make a big effort to reach out to Native and Indigenous people in the area. Um, that mm-hmm. the, the definition of pagan of pagan that Paganacon uses encompasses those faiths if people want to be included there. So there was absolutely Native representation, which did not surprise me. Um, but uh, you know, I'm used to most pagan spaces, and I mean you probably notice it even more than I do are so overwhelmingly white and, and yeah. Minnesota is a pretty white place. Although the twin cities are pretty diverse. Um, but there was a lot more diversity than, uh, than I expected, which um, I think is a real credit to the way that the twin cities pagan pride project and uh, the, the organizers of Paganicon like advertise that event and do outreach with that event. And, um, my sense too is just from because I'm an, I'm an anthropologist, so I'm out there listening to people, right? Is that there are a lot of people who had been before who now have brought friends, and you know, that's always a thing um, that when folks feel like a pagan space is safe and appropriate for their friends, and especially safe and appropriate for their friends who maybe are people of color or indigenous people or trans or gender nonconforming people, that's a credit to the event um, and how well they run and then. It was it was really nice, um, and everything from people in full Renaissance gear to people in goth gear to you know I think I was out there in my jeans and my Doc Martens on the last day. Um, so, no, I had a dress on because I presented, um, but <laughs> it was you know it was really very much a like come as you are space, mm-hmm. which I you know hopefully pagan spaces always are, but you know they they aren't always. So um, was just very cool, um, really really impressive and and they said they had a 24% growth over last year and last year was a 24% growth over the year before so I mean if we keep growing we're looking at almost a thousand people for Paganacon 2019 and registration is open so yeah I think I remember seeing that uh, because actually some of my brothers from their main path were there and actually Mm -hmm. put out flyers and stuff for Stone and Stang on I think Mm -hmm. some of the tables I saw those yes and uh, um, yeah, the, uh, the, they, uh, what? Oh, no, go ahead. What did you say? So they, they announced, uh, they had the last day of the con, there was a, um, discounted registration because they announced that next year's headliner performer will be Tuatha Dea. Ah, awesome. <laughs> but you, yeah, you, I, I did, I saw some stuff, um, from your brothers. I didn't, I mean, if, I, I tried to run into, um, is it Kendall? Uh, but we just missed yes. each other. Um, mm. But I did. See, I, I I saw concrete evidence that the brothers from the Unknown Path had been there. So are they talking about maybe having a presence, more of a presence next year? Actually, yes. Uh, they we are they are talking about it because uh, we do have uh, a few people in the area or who can get to the area. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're work, they're they're working on a presentation that they want to do. So hopefully. Great. You know, everything works out for that. But um, I hope so too. I I I don't know how the process is, but you know, one thing I really liked about about Paganicon was the groups that had hospitality suites, kind of like when you go to, 
you know, any other conference, uh, any other conference. Yeah. And it would be really cool for an empath to have a hospitality suite. Cause mm-hmm. I got to have some really good conversations and, you know, like, I mean, think about with any pagan event when you're out running around, how easy it is for like your blood sugar to drop. And you're like, Oh man, I need a snack and whatever. And these places, you know, have snacks and water and comfy places to sit and, you know, you can just hang out. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, that was, I mean, I went to some good stuff. Do not get me wrong. I went to some great stuff, but some of my best time was hanging out in the official Paganicon hospitality suite. I had just some of the best, like silly conversations with people. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, and I, I was in graduate school for 10 years, so I can smell free food at a thousand paces, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was super cool. Um, just very, I mean, not that different than a, an outdoor event where you would go and like wander into somebody's camp, but mm-hmm. you know, these were set up for that. <laughs> um, and it was really a, a nice way as somebody who I knew people that were up there, but I wasn't with anybody. And so when I was out wandering by myself, which is what I spent a lot of time doing, I was able to just like pop into like the Sisterhood of Avalon suite or the Llewellyn suite and see what was going on. Nice. Now, yeah, did cool. you make it to uh, – were you able to make it to SJ's concert? I did not. I actually kind of kind of fell apart that night. I was so tired after traveling. Um, but I heard it was really good. I did get to hang out with Suge for a little bit, though. Oh, that's always fun. Um, which was – yeah, she's just such a trip. Um, which actually uh, – we're going to get her back on the show here soon. Yay! Um, yeah, I, w- I was so disappointed. I was just – I just hit the hit the wall after traveling and uh, um, things were kind of complicated in the household where I was staying, which was kind of draining. And okay, full disclosure, I went out Thursday night and I got really, really, really drunk with my friend and I was nursing the mother of all hangovers on Friday. Um, so I, you know, by the time I got through four and a half hours of Shauna's ritual facilitation intensive, I was like, Rain, so full, need, bad. And then I looked and I was like, I'm not sure I can get back to my friend's house from here on the the conference. I got to go home, (laughs) Uh, which is another, I will put, I will, I will put in another plug for staying at the conference hotel if you can do it. I mean, you know, I I stayed with my friend because it's free, but I I definitely like, I think I would have got to hang out with people more and I would have got to see more. I definitely would have stayed for both um, the conference and the Equinox Ball if all I'd had to do was stagger upstairs to my bed instead of make it an hour across the city. I'm not familiar with on public transit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although there is a bus that stops right in front of the hotel, so if you got to do transit, it's not so bad. But, um, but no, I stopped by Suja's table um, and uh, heard that she was delightful as always. Um. So hopefully we'll get to to see her live here sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you make it to any of the key speakers' uh, presentations? Um, oh God, what all did I make it to? Um, I feel like I did. Um, the the thing that's like occupying. I mean, I shouldn't pull up the uh, <laughs> schedule from last. <laughs> that's that's how fried I was, y'all. Like it's like, oh man, there was so much to see. Um, let me look at the schedule and see what all I made it to. Um, my big thing on Friday was Shauna's intensive, which was so, so good. Um, 
I, I was just wondering, was it the same? Hers was ritual facilitation on how to engage people in, um, in participation, like get people to actually participate. Um, and because mm-hmm. it's Shauna, you know, she did a lot with chanting and singing and getting people to speak. Um, and, and so that was really good. I will use a lot of that. Um, I got to go to, oh, where else did I go? Um, I went, oh, of course, I went to my own presentation because I had to be there to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I popped in a, a bit on the We Are a Radio empowerment stuff. That was pretty cool. Um, um, and uh, I went and did the labyrinth on Saturday night, which is really interesting. It was a cloth labyrinth of a pattern I had never seen before. Um, so that was that was super cool. Um, and there was actually a um, there was a, a talk I wanted to go to on Sunday, and then I realized it was at the same time as my own talk. So um, I really wanted to go to, to books to Chris Shelton's book signing, and I was like, well, I can't buy locate. So uh, <laughs> here we are, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And then, then there was one day where I was going to go do it. I guess it was Saturday. I was going to go do a talk, and instead I um, got sucked into having my tarot cards read in the divination room by somebody from the from the uh, Twin Cities Tarot Collective, and that was been a long time since I was Ooh. the one crying during a tarot reading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is oh. what it feels like to get your cards read by me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my, I'm so sorry. What what happened here? Um, there was so so much um, on the uh, on the schedule and. You know, as always, like you're on your way to someplace, and then somebody pulls you over and says, "Hey, weren't you at this thing?" And you start talking, then you realize that you're 20 minutes into the thing you were supposed to go to. Um, mm-hmm. So now I was going to go to Diana Paxson's talk um, that took place after mine um, on Sunday, and of course, people wanted to talk to me after my presentation on Sunday. And by the time I kind of got away, I was like, "Oh, um, well, okay, so we're not doing that." <laughs> And it was worth it, obviously, to stay and talk to all those people. Um, but it was it's just so interesting. You have such a plan that you're gonna go see so much. Um and uh and you just you just don't get to it all. Um if you go in I mean the, the I'll I'll put the schedule up from this past one to see how much there was and like the just the wrenching choices you have to make. I, I did hear that the memorial for Catherine Hines was beautiful. Mm. Um mm. I did not go because I did not know her and that didn't feel like an okay thing for me to do um but i know that there were i mean there were lots of people in my talk who where they were going next was to Catherine's memorial and just seeing sort of you know everyone dressed beautifully and i mean and of course hearing people talk about her throughout the weekend and everything um i understand that it was a a really beautiful memorial and something that um that she would have appreciated um so i'm really glad they made the space for that um there was also a talk um about uh jamie johnson who was a member of the twin cities community who moved to north carolina and and um uh, died as a result of domestic violence not long ago and um, there was a excellent talk um about her and a space to sort of they built a memorial for her and a place for, for her friends in Afghanistan to kind of grieve her, um, but to also sort of talk about what her 
contributions to the community were. And I think that, that uh, you know, uh, the, the, the tragedy around her death is opening up some super important conversations about um, domestic violence within the community and domestic violence that even if the perpetrator is not in the community, you know, how we, how we help members of our community that are, are in those spaces and um, in those relationships and in those situations. And um, those of you who, who know me know that that's, that's something I'm super passionate about um, as somebody who was a, a victim of interpersonal violence in the community at the hands of somebody in the community um, and, and had community members who, who witnessed this abuse and who, who, who didn't intervene. Um, I think we're opening up a, like a, a huge conversation. And, and so she, she left us with a great gift. Um, that's heavy. Um, the vendor room was super fun. <laughs> like i feel like it's time for a music break um <laughs> the vendor room was super fun um i purposely packed my suitcase really tight so they wouldn't buy a bunch of stuff because let me tell uh, you you could buy a bunch of stuff um i oh, contented yeah. myself with two two pairs of funky pagan theme socks um but um it was i i, I actually might consider having a table for part of it for part of the event next year if that's something that i can swing mm-hmm. um getting my product up there is always kind of complicated but um it was, there was a great diversity of stuff. There was everything from, you know, like Mage's Books in Minneapolis had a, had a booth, just like you might expect a book store to have a booth, but there were also lots of people that were clearly like handcraft, you know, cottage industry, um, lots of great stuff. Um, so I totally could have spent a lot more money and I could have, cause I got my first paycheck from my new job the day I left. Um, but I made sure that I wasn't, I did not have space to bring anything back. Um, cause I would have brought it all back. Let me tell you, it would have been bad news. Um, but it, it was neat. Um, and I definitely picked up cards from a lot of places, mm-hmm. um, that, that had good stuff. Uh, and there was a, a wide, you know, everything from like standard Wicca stuff to a lot of, uh, there was some native stuff being, you know, sold by actual native people, which is you know, kind of a nice switch. Um, and there was you know, stuff in like Afro-Caribbean traditions and um, it really felt like, you know, when you talk to people at their tables that, you know, they knew what they're doing. Um, and there wasn't a lot of like duplicate stuff, which is always nice too. That if you're going to, you know, make your way through three ballrooms with the vendor stuff, you want to see a lot of, unusual things um and the art show was amazing oh my goodness um the art show thing oh my gosh shauna or knight's table alone was you know i mean she's just so amazing um and i did finally get to hang out with her it was good not as much as we both would have liked because she was working her table but um Mm. got to spend some good time with her but just to see and and i liked that they had the art even though you could obviously buy art they had that separate from the vendor room, um, both so, and that was cool, both so that you could, you know, have more things, um, but you could really, like, get in and, like, look at, if you wanted to look for art, you could look look for that sort of separately and, and treat that as a separate shopping experience, um, and the, the space that they had set up for the art show was, you know, almost more like a gallery, mm-hmm. and um, just really nice i i have to like again give a massive shout out to all the people that volunteered for pecanicon because you know hotels are these kind of sterile spaces right Mm -hmm. um but they really worked to 
really make these magical spaces. And even, you know, when you're doing a ritual or whatever in a, in a conference room with that horrible double tree carpet, Oh my God, where do they find that stuff? Um, <laughs> yeah. They were able to like create enough of a sacred space in the hotel itself that it didn't feel like, Oh my gosh, why are we doing this in some place where people probably come to like have a board meeting? Um, mm-hmm. They really created the spaces in a in a beautiful way, um, and I think that's that's as much about intention and attitude and and anything else is than than anything people do with like chairs or whatever. Um, they really made that space work, and I was as curious how that would go. Um, and uh, let me tell you, whether you get fifteen people and we're all chanting with Shauna, it doesn't matter if we're in the Double Tree in St. Louis Park. Minnesota, it all feels pretty sacred. Um, mm-hmm. So it's pretty neat. Um, it was, it was uh, obviously I'm still processing a lot of it. It was, it was a lot, but uh, I can go on. What other, what, 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 what other questions did you have about it, or what, what, uh, what would you like me to talk about? I'm happy to talk oh, about my presentation, yeah. but yeah, but I, I do want to touch on what your your presentation was like, um, but. You know, you, you said you hung out with Shauna, you hung out with SJ. Um, who else uh, out of, you know, we've had so many, you know, different guests, and I know some people were there. Did you get a chance to meet uh, meet up with Storm or Devin? I did not. I kept missing Storm. I was so upset. <laughs> um <laughs> And again, this is this is like my one really big regret is I did not stay in the in the conference hotel because mm-hmm. I think I would have had more of a chance to meet up with people if I had done that. Um, I'm trying to think who else I met up with. I met up with a lot of new people, um, mm-hmm. which was super cool. Um, who else did I run into? Um, I ran into ironically um, some Denton people who were up there, and that was like oh. we both had this moment of like, wait, what? Oh, I know. <laughs> where, um, hold on. Um, and um, I met Lori Froberg from the Twin Cities Pagans Pride Project, who um, was on our show, and then I was on on Pam's show with her. Um, and there were a lot of people that I saw that I was, and that there were people that I sort of interacted with. I didn't really get to to chat with much. Um, the women from that I I worked with from the Twin Cities. Um, Tarot Collective were great. Um, I, I'd actually, I want to pick their brain because that's something that I think we're starting to build here in North Texas uh, with Tarot on the Square. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh. Um, and I, oh, I met um, Alex. Um, she hasn't been on the, sh- they ha- sorry, they haven't been the sh- on the show yet, but they're going to be. Um, Alex uh, Ian Toffee who is actually uh, coming to Dallas for uh, Poly, uh, Poly Dallas Millennium, Dallas Poly Millennium, and who has written uh, a workbook for uh, sort of exploring gender. Hmm. Um, and it, it was interesting because I'd been seeing them come across in a whole other world, right, that they were going to be speaking at Poly, um, because my world touches all of that, right? Um, and then they came up and, and introduced themselves after my talk because their spouse had been in my talk, and we kind of got, to, I was just like, I, I've seen you before. I've seen you before. And they mentioned, oh, you should, you know, uh, you should review my book. You should read my book. And I said, what's your book? And they gave the title and I went, oh my God, it's you. 
Um, and then they handed me their, their business card. Their business card has a labyrinth on the back. So uh, that was a very like worlds colliding kind of moment. And it was so cool. Um, I did, I did uh, see Diana Paxson who I had met before um, and got to, you know, like just briefly chat with her as, as we kind of ships in the night kind of thing. Um, and I did appreciate that even like the big name pagans were like, I didn't see anybody sort of acting like they were all high mech and like everybody was just kind of down in the dirt with everybody else. Um, I met a lot of young and I, of course I'm 43. So what's young, but like, you know, kind of the <laughs> next generation. Um, and mm-hmm. there were some really good panels on sort of pagan youth and what they're doing. And let me tell you, these kids are going to like change everything. Um, the the young people that came to my presentation were just amazing in the work that they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I connect, probably going to have a Facebook group um, for folks that are interested in, in the issues we were talking about. And, uh, you know, I learned as much from them as they did from me in the hour and a half we were together, I'm sure. Um, you know, thinking back on sort of who I was as a 19 or 20 year old goddess woman um, and, and, you know, budding priestess and looking at the work that that they're doing now, they're just like a complete level up from anything I was doing back then. It's, it's really humbling and really exciting um, to see them asking questions and, and, uh, I do have to say, like, I heard not just in my talk, which especially, you know, I, I didn't stand up and give a talk. I sat, I put everybody in a circle when we had, when we had a discussion, but it, independently over the course of the weekend, the number of sort of conversations that I kind of, you know, heard going on around me or that I joined in on or that I heard facilitated about things like racism in our community, ableism in our community, classism in our community, um, you know, how we work with folks in our community that uh, might be having uh, mental health struggles, like all of these incredibly important discussions. And they just, I mean, some of these things were happening in panels, um, but they were also just happening organically out in the spaces. Kept me like, I would just get sucked into listening or talking to somebody and look up and be like, oh, it's supposed to be at this thing, but this thing was on this thing that y'all are talking about and I'm like really enjoying this um mm-hmm. and they're they're really opening up I mean a lot of the hard questions that we try to open up on this show were just sort of happening in the hallways and and in in the in the con suites and in the workshops and and there was um really intentional space for these conversations about about justice and there were, there were a bunch of workshops on activism there's a great one on tarot and social activism and the We Are Radio was about political magic, and you know, uh, Eva Dominguez Jr. did did his work on political magic, which was amazing. Um, so it was really like kind of my people, you know. I was <laughs> I was I wasn't wasn't sure um, as somebody who's an explicitly political pagan and who often wanders into pagan spaces and is like, where are the politics? Like, where's where's the resistance? Where's where's the subversion? You could find that if you wanted that at Paganicon, and you didn't have to go very far <laughs> to find it. Um, I know I, I basically already said I'm going to come back next year, and 
probably continue the conversation I started about how we create trans and non-binary affirming spaces. But, you know, my, the participants in my workshop, I mean, independently came to, well, this is all tied up with ableism. It's all tied up with classism. It's all tied up with, with racism and colonialism. And how do we start to pull this apart? And let me tell you, like, I, I thought my head was going to explode that, you know, people not only wanted to have that conversation, but they were like, and now we have this one and now we have this one and now we have this one. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. There was, I was hearing a lot of people talking already about what they want to propose for next year. Um, and, and I think there's going to be, be some really good stuff um, awesome. coming out of, of talking about access. And, and I think a, a presence for unnamed path, absolutely appropriate there, because that's another discussion about um, sort of de-wickifying and like, you know, y'all work with such a different magic and as a tradition for men who love men creates such an important space um, for exploration and justice that um, I think it'd be a really great place. Uh, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to drag you to Minnesota. I'm going to put you in my pocket <laughs> oh my and take God. you with me. I'm going to drag you, you and, kicking and screaming. Honey, you and like five other people are trying to drag me to different places. Well, you know, <laughs> Get, get get on that by location spell, buddy. That's <laughs> only, only. But you know, you you talked about your your workshop a couple of times already. Uh, could you give us, you know, just basic overview and maybe some of the, you know, you I think you've already touched on a little bit, but you know, just touch on, if you wouldn't mind touching on them again. You know, what yeah. were you know, some of the key points that came up during your conversation? Sure. So my workshop uh, was called Creating Affirming Goddess Spirituality Spaces. And um, for those who've been listening to the show for like more than two episodes, uh, you know that it's a big passion of mine to um, take on sort of trans-exclusive and trans-exclusionary ideologies within our community. Um, so this presentation was actually born out of kind of the circle that I facilitate here in Dallas, which is uh, quite possibly the only explicitly trans-exclusive and non-binary, trans-inclusive, trans trans-affirming, uh, and non-binary inclusive and affirming circle in the area. Um, and we've figured some stuff out. We've figured some stuff out uh, by me messing it up and having to be called on the carpet, quite honestly. Um, but we've been trying to create this space. And so my um, trans and non-binary community members said, you know, <laughs> go get your people. Go get the other like nice, well-intentioned cis ladies that are out there um, that that just don't know that they're creating spaces that aren't affirming. So um, I went and sort of my uh, grounding principle was that I, you know that I understood that there are people that are like hardcore turfs who are never going to come over to my way of thinking, um, mm -hmm. and that believe that the only way to ever root that out of our tradition, out of our my tradition and out of our community is to just starve it for air, no platform. Um, but that there are also people who I came across the charming acronym TUMF, which is trans unaware mainstream feminist. Um, that there are a lot of those in our community who, if they realized that the way they were approaching things, the way they were using language was exclusionary, would be shocked and would be horrified and would want to rectify that. So I came from that standpoint and was clear that like, I was not there to do trans 101 and non-binary 101 because I'm a cis lady. I am not there to do that. I will define some terms and that is it. I was not there to speak for trans people. I was there to speak as a cis facilitator about what I had learned and what my circle had found worked um, and to open it up for what other people were doing. And so, you know, I, I talked um, a lot about, 
So, like, my inclusion statement that goes on all my events, which I need, that reminds me, I need to post that because people want it because it's a freaking mouthful. All my, <laughs> all my events say, you know, this event is open to all women, cis, trans, or otherwise, all femmes and all non-binary people who find their homes in women and femme-centric spaces. <gasps> you know, um, but we talked about, you know, the, the things that are kind of in the lexicon of our community that for like cis people, we don't think that they read as exclusionary, but if you're a trans or non-binary person looking for a pagan event and you see things on a flyer or whatever, that's a red flag to you that that might not be a safe place for you. So we talked about using language really mindfully. Um, I talked about how in my circle, or I, really it's our circle, it's not mine, um, in our circle, you know, we do where we go around and do introductions. And as part of that, people are welcomed, but never required to give their gender pronouns, which you know sets the expectation that pronouns are a thing and that it isn't just the person who might, either the person who, hmm, like what's your gender who will be expected to give their pronouns or, you know, I, we came to that because I had a non-binary member in my community who would, in the course of introductions, give their pronouns, but then they were the only person who gave their pronouns. And that then gets to this question about, oh, you use they, them, what's that about? Uh, so instead, I open it up and I, I always give my pronouns um, so that it's just a thing that we do. Um, I talked um, a little bit because we did get into intersecting oppressions also about, you know, how we take on sort of other sorts of, of isms in my in, in our circle. Um, but, you know, we talked about you know, how you know, how do you advertise an event if, for instance, you want to have an event that is about the mysteries of menstruation? Well, you say that. You don't call it a women's ritual. You know, and a lot of it's really common sense, but it's a lot of things that, again, people just don't think about because it's how things are talked about in our community. Um, so we spent a lot of time with that um, and spent, uh, you know, some time talking about um, there was uh, one woman in the group who I really appreciated her. She comes from a tradition that is the exact opposite of mine. It is like hierarchical. It is initiatory. It is everything that my tradition is not right. Um, but she is really trying to take this stuff on in, in her circle. And so we talked about things like a gender neutral term for, you know, priest or priestess instead of having it be gendered. Uh, we talked about the way in which, you know, uh, we talk about energy and we talk about as masculine and feminine and how that enforces the gender binary. And could we talk about it in another way? Um, could we talk about the, if you're somebody who uses the Wiccan calendar, is there a way to talk about those Sabbaths in a way that's not so tied with like pregnancy and sex and reproduction? Um, how do we kind of move the way we talk about what our, in a lot of cases at their heart fertility religions, how do we move that from like this very heteronormative, very gender binary form? Um, and so I came in with like seven things for people to kind of take away, which actually are the, the same things that I talk about in my article in Queer Magic, Power Beyond Boundaries, available for pre-order. We'll link it on the Facebook page. Um, but then there were people who, you know, a lot of people who showed up were just at the beginning of doing this work in their traditions, but even they had ideas, or at least they had questions. Uh, and then, you know, I, I was very grateful that I had several people who were there who self-identified as either trans or non-binary, who talked about what they might need from a space, because that's always the first thing, right, is that you actually ask people <laughs> what they need mm -hmm. rather than assuming that you know. Um, and so people were really, uh, really open about what they might need. Um, 
And I, I really appreciated that I had people come up afterwards because I was, of course, very nervous about whether it was appropriate for me as a cis woman to do this work, right? Um, and I had a lot of people come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for doing it so we didn't have to, um, mm-hmm. which was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, so, you know, there was uh, some some really great conversation um, about, you know, in groups that initiate, you know, if they have a thing about, uh, you know, they have to be initiated by somebody not of your gender. Like, how does that work? Um, and uh, especially like a British traditional witchcraft, that's a thing. And I know Yvonne Abro, who I hope to have on the show when she gets moved into this hemisphere, uh, <laughs> has talked <laughs> about that. Um, it, it, we, we obviously we ran out of time. An hour and a half was not enough. Um, but I, I was really proud. I was very concerned, given a lot of what goes on in this community, um, if I was going to have people crash the panel. Um, and I was told that probably wasn't a thing because Paganicon is very serious about their non-harassment policy, their, their safety policy. Gold freaking standard, y'all. Um, but then I was worried I was going to get in there and we were you know, going to have people that wanted to have the discussion about, well, should trans women really be included in women's spaces? Well, how does that work? But what about this? Or, or people who are like, okay, what? Like trans I get, but what's gender nonconforming? Can you define that? Um, and while I would have been willing to do that, that was not what I was there to do. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that people did not need to have conversation. And I appreciated that when, you know, I set forth one of my, like, one of my assumptions was that turf ideology has a body count. It has a very real body count. And I tied it to, you know, the high rates of violence against trans people and especially trans women. Um, And that, you know, this is not a debate that we have. We don't, you know, we don't have a discussion in which, well, we're going to talk about pedophilia in the community, and here's somebody to defend Kenny Klein. You know, we're going to talk about racism in the community. Here's somebody to defend the uh, the Asatru Folk Alliance. You know, but we'll do that with the trans issue. Where we're like, well, let's listen to both sides. There is no both sides. Um, and you know, so my you know my fundamental assumption is that that ideology is deadly. It needs to be starved of oxygen at every opportunity. People need to be no platforms. Don't don't book them. Don't put them on your show. Don't buy their books. Don't go to their events. Don't book them to your for your conference. Starve it of oxygen, so we can have this other conversation. Um, and you know that my other assumption was that I operated on was that I was not going to talk about whether trans and non-binary people belong in spaces in my in my feminist goddess tradition. That ship had sailed. We weren't there to talk about whether. We were there to talk about how. Um, and people actually applauded that. <laughs> <laughs> which, which maybe because they were scared of me because I was obviously pretty fired up. But, uh, you, know, um, you know, I just laid that out from the very beginning. I was like, if you're here to do, if you're here to have this conversation, this is not the conversation we're going to have. We're going to have this one. Um, and people were all over it. Um, uh, it was really fabulous. Uh, it was definitely not the last word that I'm going to, that I, or, or the people that were there are, are going to have on that conversation. We didn't, we didn't solve it um, in the hour and a half we had together, but um, it was it, hands down the best conversation I've had on that issue with a group of people that I did not hand select ever. 
know? <laughs> I get together with my peeps and, you know, my priestesses and with you and like, yeah, we're all there. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for an open talk at an event with 800 people at it, that could have gone all kinds of sideways. Um, yeah. It was really good, and I've I, and I've had people contact me since and say that that they heard really good things. So, um, I I think this is just a, but Paganicon is just a really great venue for for some really hard conversations. Um, it's also a place to go watch people demonstrate a shield wall and to you know color yourself a magical spell out of a great coloring book. Like there there's room for all of it, um, which I, I think is is fabulous. Um, and you know, great music and great art and, uh, you know, and I, and I, I really appreciated because I had several people that I talked to and including one of my friends who was there who are people that either have, um, like visual differences or sensory differences or, you know, they, uh, you know, mobility challenges, or they just don't camp, um, for whatever reason. I, I think that events like Paganicon are a great opportunity for people to get community um, in a way that is accessible to a wider number of people. And even with travel to the Twin Cities, which of course can be expensive in hotels, the, the registration for the event is not much. And there, there's, there's room, there's sliding scale there. So I think they're, they're creating a really great model for accessibility. Um, and, you know, um, certainly there is this, you know, our share of, you know, pagan party time there as there should be, but for people that didn't want to do that, you know, you could go to all this other stuff and have a very fulfilling time. Um, and and, and you, you could find your people and you could find your topics. Um, I would love to see something like this happen in Texas, but uh, I am in the middle of planning to coordinate and produce some other forms of mischief. <laughs> so I will be back to someone else. <laughs> but uh, do, you, do, you, do you hear us out there? folks in, in in the girdle of the goddess that maybe we need something for Texas um, so that people don't have to decide to camp in 100 degree weather. Do you hear us? We want something. Um, so yeah, it was um, a long, long story short, it was a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will post um, if people want to register, you can register early. Um, Paganicon uh, 2019 will be Friday, March 22nd to Sunday, March 24th. Um, they have not um, – oh, they have announced the location. It will be in a different location. Uh, it will be in the Crown Plaza Plymouth in Plymouth, Minnesota. So let's – I'm not sure where that's at. Um, I think that it's uh, not – I think it's I think that's probably a suburb of, of Minneapolis. So great. Uh, maybe it's – I hope that's because we had to uh, go someplace bigger. Um, but registration starts at $10 um, and you can register early bird registration for the whole uh, festival for adults is $60. Uh, young adults is $40, $10 for it's a child registration for Saturday only. They do have a scholarship fund. Um, so, you know, get in on that. Um, and you can, can do that at paganicon.org. Is it? Um, but I will post that uh, the event bright page for people who want to, to start making their plans early um, should mm-hmm. be pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I, who knows, I might be looking for somebody to split a hotel room next year. So actually I think Shauna and I might do that next year. Um, uh, Shauna and I talked about that. We said we should room together next year, assuming that given how much shit we stir in this community, we're not like 
run out on a rail before then. Um, <laughs> we didn't get to make a lot of trouble, but we got to make enough. <laughs> so, what, what, and I know you mentioned your uh, circle and event coming up. Would you want to give us a few more details on that and anything else that you have yeah. coming up, Dr. Susan? Absolutely. Um, I have uh, coming up first on Friday. Uh, my rituals are usually on Saturday, but we are on Friday because it's Easter weekend and I meet at a church. Uh, on Friday at 7.30 p.m., there will be a uh, women's blue full moon ritual um, at Horizon Unitarian Universalist Church. That's at 1641 West Hebron Parkway in Carrollton, Texas. I've put the Facebook event up on our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash allxlove. Um, Again, that event is open to all women, cis, trans, or otherwise, all femmes and all non-binary people who find their home in women and femme-centric spaces. Um, uh, we March is one of two months that gave us two full moons this year, so we will be looking uh, to work with the sap moon, which is sometimes called the worm moon or the crow moon, and we will be working with some of this beautiful spring equinox energy uh, that we're running right now. So you know, that is, you know, please feel free to come. Um, it's always free. A $5 or whatever you can give donation to Help Base is always appreciated. Um, but, you know, come on out. We have a good time. It's a really diverse group. It is, it is a trans and non-binary inclusive space. And uh, the March ritual tends to be uh, fairly friendly for younger folks. Um, so if you have, have, you know, have maidens or other young young people that you think would enjoy this space that are between the ages of like nine and, you know, nine and 17. Um, this is a, a decent one to bring them to. That's, that's not true of all my rituals, but uh, this one really is. And then uh, later in the month, later in, it'll be mid April from April 13th to April 15th. I am hope hosting uh, a retreat. Um, hopefully it's going to be one of three in 2018 called Awakening the Healer Within, and it's going to be a weekend of learning tools and techniques to support your own healing. Again, it's um, open all women, cis, trans, otherwise, all femmes, all non-binary people who find their home in the kinds of spaces I facilitate. It is in Red Oak, Texas. Um, you can register for the weekend. You can sleep in the house for $225. You can pitch a tent for $150, or you can get a day pass for $75. I've got somebody coming out with crystal singing bowls. Uh, there will be yoga and affirmations. There's going to be Reiki workshops and private sessions, crystal healing basics. There'll be essential oils. There'll be free form time for art and journaling. I just got somebody who's going to come in and drum. It's going to be awesome. So even if you can just come out for Saturday, it's totally worth it. And you get um, all your meals taken care of. My kitchen witches are going to hook you up. Um, so you can reserve your space with a $75 deposit to, at, via PayPal or Venmo to dakotawitch at gmail.com. And I will post that as well in our group. Um, if you want to keep up with me and what I am doing in between then, I facilitate a Facebook group called Women's Circles with Dr. Susan. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, it is closed but not private, and it is um, curated very carefully. You can also join a facilitative face Facebook group for people of, of all genders. Um, my women's group is open to all the people in that big statement that I make. Um, but I also facilitate a, a group uh, called North Texas Nature Spirit, which advertises my events and other events in the area, and um, that's open for everybody. So um, we're 
It's busy. I, I know we're we're about to bring Maggie the Green on, but have you got anything going on that you want to announce, Michael? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, this coming Saturday is another episode of Walking Down Lane Path. We're actually going to be having um, two special people on. Uh, Matthew, who's my uh, co- co-host for that show, uh, he's taking a little bit of time off to focus on some personal stuff, you know, work and whatnot. So he he's going to be dealing with he's like I said he's taking some time off, and my brother uh, Chase Powers has agreed to come on the show and be my guest co-host while Matthew is away. And our show, yes, <laughs> and our show is actually going to be about uh, one of our brothers has, you know, I of course I asked and, and he volunteered uh, to come on the show and talk to us about um, being HIV positive and uh, his magical great. practices. Wonderful! So, that sounds great. Really looking forward to having. I tried to have. We tried to do something similar around. Um, World AIDS Day, uh, but uh-huh. the person who we were going to have on, you know, wasn't feeling well, so we kind of had to throw something together for that day. But, for know, sure. I'm hoping that this one definitely goes better. And then we have uh, our episode, our first episode in April already. Uh, gosh, April's coming up so fast. Right. <laughs> um, no, first, yeah, our first episode in April is going to be a a roundtable discussion talking about uh, different types of relationships in the queer community. Um, when I say I mean like um, you know polyamory, open, mono- monogamous, uh, those types of relationships. Right. And two of our brothers are going to come on, and you know also will be my input and Chase's input as well. So looking forward to that because I've actually been seeing a lot of people. And I actually get a lot of questions from people because on all my like online profiles and whatnot, I list that I am in a open polyamorous relationship, and people are like, "What is that?" Uh, here <laughs> you as, as a and, monogamous woman myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I forget you know our we make such a bubble for ourselves with everyone that we surround ourselves with. So right. I, I forget. Oh, oh yeah, you know. The, this is odd to some people. You know, they they don't understand right. this. And I've especially come across that a lot recently because I've actually gone into a couple of Facebook groups online that are just um, queer people of color. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually had someone who was like, "Wait, you're act like there's act." You know, one of the someone posed a question like, "What's something you do in your spare time?" I was like, oh, I like to go dance out in the woods around a bonfire. And they're like, wait, are you in a cult? I'm like, no, I'm pagan. And that just blew their minds. They're like, wait, people actually do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird when you get out of your your little uh your little bubble that you know, stuff that you know, we that you call amateur hour is like super weird. Um, yeah. I'm that way with, with politics. I was hanging out with my best friend this weekend and, and, you know, she's a good Minnesota liberal and I'm, I'm a freaking burn it down leftist and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
It also uh, makes me think uh, our last episode, which is live and in the archive, was talking about race and paganism. Oh, oh, definitely link all those on the Facebook page for people because I know we've got folks who kind of keep who should all just be following walking the unnamed path. But um, if you're not, you can totally get those uh, get those elsewhere. So there is is so much great stuff. Um, Are we ready to hand it over to Maggie the Green and Jewel? Yeah, you know. All right. Um, what what song did you want to play us out with, Doctor Susan? Because I think what? Maggie has what? her own like song list that she's working on. I think she does. she does. She's working on something great. Oh, let's play it out with oh, let's play it. Oh, it's all so good. Um, let's play it out with go away god boy i feel like that we need that uh and we will be bringing on uh maggie the green and jewel for petals and potions they are looking at the magical properties of calendula cardamom clipdaga and all things osara the show is called opportunities with orange uh, we will see you in two weeks uh next week tune in with oh oh my gosh right, wait you're right it well Next week, well, okay, we'll see you next time. Um, but yeah. Jason, Jason's on next week, right? Jason's on next time, yeah. next week. Um, so tune in next week with, with Jason uh, on on Raise the Horns Radio. Uh, feel free to contact us through Facebook or email, uh, facebook.com/slash/allactslove or acts of love and pleasure at gmail.com. And until next time, uh, this is All Acts of Love and Pleasure, and this is Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywolf. And have a blessed day. Stay tuned for Petals and Potions.
Good evening. This is Maggie the Green, and you are listening to Petals and Potions. Again, that was um, S.J. Tucker, Go Away, God Boy. And um, I'm here with my co-host, Daphne Jewell. And our show tonight is Opportunities with Orange. And we're going to be exploring calendula, cardamom, cliptaga, and all things austera. So happy austera, Daph. How are you today? Happy austera. Um... I'm I'm okay. I've got a lot done today, you know. First day of spring, spring cleaning and yeah. stuff. Yep, yesterday was the vernal equinox, the day where it was um supposed to be equally parts day and night, but it was a pretty yucky, uh, cold and gray day here. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually snowed uh last night and this morning. Yeah, and we had a huge Thunder and lightning storm last night. Yeah, I enjoyed the, the thunderstorm, um, not so much the the snow. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, what, what can you do? It's North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. It's like uh, it, it, it. every day is different. You know, we could be like spring, summer, and fall all in the same day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So um so what all have you been up to lately? Let's um talk about oh if you want to connect with us, our Facebook page is live, so you can go to Facebook and search Petals and Potions. Um and you can also follow us on Instagram. I am Maggie the Green and you can follow um Daphne Jewel at Dreads for Life. That's D R E A D Z dot four dot life. And what else do we have up? Oh, yeah, and we have our um, email up, too. So you can find us at petalsandpotionsptrn at gmail.com. So uh, how do you feel about today? Um, you mean about our show or just today in general? Just today in general. Today has been kind of a really wacky day. It's been... A long day. Today is um, Austin's birthday. Yeah, so there's that's that. And, uh, yeah, it's that's the, there's that. Huh? It's the 16th. Yes, he's 16. He is 16 today. Can you believe that? You remember he was, you know, I just remember when, when he was little and, you know, now he's 16 and. All that good stuff. And Luke's birthday was last week, and he's 18. Oh, my gosh. How did this know. even happen? <laughs> I'm just older keep on thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Little Wild Man, his birthday is next week. Or actually, it's the following Monday, and he'll be 11. So lots yep, and lots and lots of stuff going on, and uh, you want—I wanted to talk a little bit about um, International Women's Day last week that we went to the festival. Oh yeah, uh, how how did you enjoy that? Oh my God, I thought that was so fantastic. There were the dancers for one thing. Um, I loved all the dancers. 
Do you remember what? Okay, I think they, there was um, Peruvian dancers. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then the Cambodian dancers. Yes, they were super cute. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, were they not super cute? They they were all um, the Cambodian dancers were all uh, small children between the ages of eight and ten. And they were doing um, traditional Cambodian dances with um, full costume. And uh, that was just the most adorable thing I've seen in forever. And um, and then the, there was the belly dancers. Yeah, I really enjoyed the belly dancers as well. They were, they, they really had it going on, you know. They knew what they were doing. Right, and they were talking about how they um, they didn't choreograph any of their dance. They just kind of, like, um, worked together. Like, they've been dancing together so long that they can just just get out there and dance together and be all synced up. And that was just really beautiful for me. I thought that was just amazing. Yes, I really I really enjoyed uh, that, that energy that they produced. It was really fun and energetic and wild and woman and it was just really great i i really enjoyed the whole festival but i i really liked them as well you know in particular i did too and then we had um there were uh some vendors there so we had some different vendors there and um the uh one lady she was doing henna so that was really cool I just thought it was all around. It was just like a really lovely time. I really, really just enjoyed that. I cannot, you know, I can't wait until next year to do it again, you know. (laughs) I know there were so many people there. I was not expecting a turnout of that many people. Right, especially, you know, like they said it was, um, so this is the first year that um, we've participated with the Social Justice Committee doing the International Women's Day. And um, last year they said they, they didn't have, you know, hardly, like, maybe 50 people show up. This year it was um, probably almost, I think they said it was almost 200. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really fun. I just, I really enjoyed that with you. I mean, we talked a little bit on our last show about International Women's Day because that was actually technically on March the 8th, I believe, and... um so we had kind of talked about it last time a little bit about it being, you know, Women's History Month and all of that stuff. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about it. It was just so nice. I just enjoyed that with you. I'm so glad that we did that. Me too. I'm I'm really glad that I went as well. It was it was so fun and it was it was just great. And I I can't wait I I can't wait to go again next year. It's it's definitely very um it's really interesting to see all the different cultures with like the Peruvian dancers and the the Cambodian girls and little dancers, like how um, different cultures have different uh, traditions and dances and stuff for women and about women, featuring right. women, you know? Right, really like um, celebrating the femininity in their culture. I thought that was really nice. And it was very enlightening and educational and it was it was just a good good experience i enjoyed it a lot yeah i did as well so what else have you been up to and um what what'd you do this past weekend 
this past weekend uh, was extremely busy for me in particular. So what, what had um, you so busy? Well, I went to visit Nona. <laughs> Nona, we got to talk about Nona. <laughs> yep, Nona. So we have to say something about Nona. But I really did, though. I I went and visited Nona. It was kind of rough going down there because it's been so long since I've driven down there by myself. But even with all the stress, it was definitely worth it. Not only did I get to see Nona and spend time with her, I got to see Tori as well, which I know right. we've and talked about always- her before. <laughs> Right. That's always a good time. That's always a good time. Now, I I think it's um it's really interesting that you were and I wanted to um kind of connect this in in a way um because you were at Tori's house and you were um hanging with her snakes, right? Well, I was at Tori's house and Tori lives with her husband and uh her brother and their kids. And her brother is actually the one that has this and he has uh in particular he he has three total, but this one particular snake he's had for a very, very long time, many years. Um, and her name is Lady and she I fell in love with the snake. Like I have never had the chance to really you know, I've seen snakes in the wild, of course. I've seen plenty of snakes, but uh I've never actually had a chance to really interact and just kind of play with a snake that was non-poisonous and, um, and you know, really gentle and, you know, she doesn't bite at all and she, she's just amazing and I just fell in love with her and I fell in love with snakes. She's a, a ball python snake. Right. Yeah, and so I think it was really interesting that you were over there on um, St. Patrick's Day. Now, you know, let me I explain. Didn't really, <laughs> I didn't even think right? <laughs> right, you were over there, and I was kind of thinking about this earlier, but I didn't get a chance to really talk to you about it. But, okay, so, you know, we're we're Irish, right? We, I mean, you know. We have a lot of Irish blood in us and, and all of that good stuff. And um, so one of the things with St. Patrick's Day that I've come to kind of have, like, an issue with is, um, you know, we always celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Oh, St. Patrick's Day is the patron saint of Ireland, da 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 It's our, it's our um, heritage and all of that, right? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, but then, um, if you really look at it, Saint Patrick, you know, he was uh, supposedly said to have driven the snakes out of Ireland. But what a lot of people don't understand is that those snakes were actually pagans. Yeah. Right. So. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I don't celebrate uh, Saint Patrick's Day anymore because before it was just. Uh, when I was younger, it's just like, oh, I'm part Irish. Let me wear all green and stuff. Um, but then I, right. I really, we didn't really... Right, that was kind of, um, it was just like a, 
like a, a thing, a cultural thing, and we didn't really put a lot of thought into it. We just like, you know, let's dress up and wear green and pinch each other. And, and people um, all over the United States, you know, they all participate in um, St. Patrick's Day, and everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day, and you guzzle lots of green beer and, you know, drink yeah. lots of alcohol. But yeah. I thought that was very yeah. interesting. <laughs> That you were, um, I just thought that was a really neat thing that you were playing with a snake on St. Patrick's Day, you know. So he he drove the snakes out of Ireland, but you know, they they survived. <laughs> That's true. We survived. There actually were no real snakes in Ireland. I believe there was no actual evidence of snakes in Ireland. Like, a, like right, actual. there was. <laughs> Right, exactly. And uh, so I just yeah, thought that was interesting. I wanted to like kind of bring that up, make a little connection with that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I so, can't believe I didn't even realize that that I was playing with snakes on St. Patrick's Day. Huh. I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a little while. <laughs> right. So that that should be um, your new tradition is <laughs> to play with snakes on St. Patrick's Day. Just to stick it to them, you know. It's like that's what you know. You couldn't get rid of all of us. That's true. <clears throat> we just moved. <laughs> yeah. You know, it survived in our blood. You know. Yeah, but yeah, that was weekend, and it was really super busy. And I think I got about a total of maybe fifteen hours of sleep all weekend. And that's okay because it was it was really worth it. I had so much fun, and I was so happy to see Nona and Tori and and play with snakes. It was really awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you had such a good time. Like that's really awesome. Um, so what are some other things? Oh yeah, so a couple of the other things that um. I've done since the last show is I took my beekeeper's test and I passed it. Yeah. So, so now you're an official beekeeper, right? I am a certified beekeeper. Yeah. Yep. Now I'm a certified beekeeper. And um, so another thing that I did is I went to the vagina monologues and that was really awful. <laughs> and yeah, I did not I'm... enjoy it at all. Um, and because it's, um, you know, Women's History Month, I just want to say a little bit about why I was so upset about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. That's, that's yes, do it. Okay. Um, so this particular version of the uh, Vagina Monologues that I saw in Winston-Salem, the director made an executive decision to allow men to perform um, poetry outside of the vagina monologues. So as somebody who has, you know, struggled with um, domestic violence and um, things of that nature and being at the hands of, of toxic masculinity, um, it was really like um, 
triggering for me to walk into a show that I thought was going to be um, a safe space to explore my fem- femininity and, and listen to the stories and to have um, men screaming, uh, you know, poetry and cuss words was just like really bad triggering. I mean, it was just a really, really awful experience for me. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm really glad that you didn't go because I think you would not have enjoyed it either. Yeah, I mean they didn't even uh, give a trigger warning or really any lineup of the show and what it was going to be about, and that it was going to be different from the normal vagina monologues, and that it would feature men. I mean that's the kind of thing that is really serious, and you should let people know that those are going to be there. I mean, clearly somebody did not uh, think about that. Right. And um, it kind of really felt like men um, invaded that space. And, you know, like they were talking about how, like the poetry that they were sharing was really about how how toxic masculinity affects men. And I felt like that just wasn't the place for that because – you know, honestly, it's like I don't want to hear that right now. You know, if you want to have a show about how toxic masculinity affects men and you want to market it and promote it as such, then you, you know, but I would love to go see that. But to not be prepared, to not have a trigger warning, and to have, you know, eight men come out front and just recite poetry, just aggressively and screaming it and yeah they were they were literally screaming it like it triggered me so bad that by the end of the first poem um I was in tears I had to I literally had to walk out of the show and and calm myself down because I was I was so um triggered like I mean it was really really bad so I just want to say I did not (laughs) I did not enjoy Vagina monologues put on in Winston Salem last Friday night. I was I did not appreciate that whatsoever. Yeah, and, and toxic masculinity does affect men, but the time to talk about to- toxic masculinity is not in the vagina monologues. You know, right? That's, that, exactly. That, that should not be. And and if it and if you're going to include something like that, and then you should tell people. People are gonna not come to your show because of your lack of sensitivity to people who have been personally um, ex- uh, exposed to or personally experienced things like that. You know. Yeah. Yep. So. So yeah, know, I'm I'm really on glad I didn't that. go. Yeah, I'm really glad you didn't go as well because um, it would have probably been very. Um, traumatizing to you as well so I'm really glad you didn't go either but um definitely and you know what really struck me about the whole situation was that the show was put on to benefit um a woman's shelter okay so I don't it but it felt like it was designed by somebody who did not understand or had never experienced 
violence or um, domestic violence or abuse. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's what was so. That was what was so like confusing about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you gonna? Right. It's like how are you gonna support women in a you know victims of domestic violence that like live in a shelter, but you know would the, those women that you're supposed to be supporting would have felt the same way that I felt in you know participating in that show. They would have felt the same way. Yeah, that's just it's just no. And I will I will not be attending in the future. So yeah. Sorry guys, you need to get your get your get your act together. Right, exactly. So another thing that I did though more recently that was pretty interesting was um went to the hemp workshop. Yeah, how pretty awesome. Actually, it was amazing. It was so amazing. Like, I'm so excited that North Carolina is doing this. Um, This is something completely new here in North Carolina, and it's a pilot program for farmers to um, grow hemp here because, you know, this is, like, brand new. They just approved it. It's only been doing it for a year, and they're still in, like, the research phase. So the workshop was amazing. They fed us from um, trying to think of the lady's name. Is it Annie's Kitchen? I don't Angie's Kitchen. I think it was Angie's Kitchen. This food was amazing. The food was amazing. Like I have to tell you, the salad had um, like violets in it and other edible flowers and hemp hearts and um, rice and quinoa and falafel, and it was literally amazing. Like, we are going to have to go back to Pittsburgh and eat at this restaurant so you can taste this amazing food. (laughs) That sounds really amazing. Is that where it was in uh, or where it was at, Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was with the um, Chatham County Agricultural Center. And that it's located in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. So it's about an hour away. And, um, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I learned so many things. And this uh, agricultural business is on the brink of booming. Like, this is going to surpass the tobacco industry in North Carolina, I have no doubt, in the next five years. Oh yeah, I, I have no doubt as well that they're gonna continue to to support this and make it legal. I, I have no doubt. So right I now mean, it's hemp is a great crop. Yeah. Yeah, it is a great crop and that's one of the things is that they're really pushing for people to process the hemp and actually like make stuff out of it. So they need people to grow, um to grow uh like hemp for fabric they need people to grow hemp for seeds because you know hemp seeds are some of the most nutritious protein that you can eat um and they need people to grow the flowers for the cbd oil yeah um i'm i'm really excited about this industry i think um it will be 
very, very interesting to see how it turns out. I agree. I think it's going to be cool. So I was thinking about playing a song, and our friend Pam, who's basically my aunt, suggested Rabbit's Song by S.J. Tucker. And, you know, Pam absolutely loves rabbits. She's a rabbit lady. So I wanted to play this song and, like, you know, dedicate it to Pam. All right. Sounds good. You ready to hear it? Yeah. All right. This is S.J. Tucker, Rabbit's Song. Trickster came a-calling to find a totem here To teach the foolish heart of man without installing fear Many came and many went, but still the trickster paused Bear and cat and tiger tried, but had too many claws Dog and wolf, the wise indeed, had teeth to a quite a fright And owl with his tawny eyes could only see at night No, the trickster said at last, teachers I see many, but my way is full of laughter, and in you I see not any. But beneath the tree where eagles sat, coyote told the tale of silly hares cavorting in the old country of Wales. Raven stared unto the sun and crow sang awful songs, and a rabbit sat a-listening with ears so wondrous long. Aha, the trickster danced a dance of joy and victory sweet. He laughed a laugh and swooped a swoop and landed at their feet. Of all here now, the trickster said, you are the very beasts. But a rabbit said, I'm sorry, sir, but of all we are the least. The trickster smiled and raised a hand and spoke, I have a plan. The four of you shall help me to teach the heart of man. Raven, with your love of light, the sun you'll steal soon. For the gift of warmth I give to man to be the greatest boon. And crow, you silly creature who sings without a voice. Teach man of pride and helping, you really have no choice. Coyote, my friend, together we'll spin many a tale. Man by our naughtiness, what really should be right. At last he turned to Rabbit with a twinkle in his eye. You'll be my favorite creature, and here's the reason why. Your eyes are bright, your feet are swift, your ears here round the bend, and your very simple humbleness will steal the heart of men. Together we shall thwart the pains the gods do throw to us. And turn aside their fiery darts with merriment and mirth. And when time comes that men forget the lessons animals render, twill be the humble rabbit that mankind will remember. And round the trickster the animals throng, the birds and all the beasts. And humbly bow to the king they found. Who thought himself the least. And that was S.J. Tucker Rabbit's song. What did you think about that? Um, I really liked it, but what really struck me was 
the her voice her voice was really beautiful i really enjoyed her voice in particular and i did like the um the the kind of simplicity of like mostly just her voice and and the drums and the beat i i just i don't know i really liked it i did too i thought it was really nice it was very pretty and you're right her voice is absolutely gorgeous i I really enjoy her voice. So I guess it's time to get into all things orange. And I just have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about tonight in our orange episode. And it's titled Opportunities in Orange because um, the color orange actually um, is the color of opportunity. It really? represents magically. Yes. Yes. The color orange is um it is uh you know, has to do with um the magical property of opportunity. So like when you're doing spell work and things like that and you want something to help you with creating a new opportunity or seizing an opportunity, you want to make sure that you're throwing um, orange in there. Oh, I did, I did not know that. Right. So I picked out a couple of um, just some herbs this time. Like I was really focusing on like herbs this time because for some reason like the color orange, you know, everybody knows about like oranges you know, oranges have vitamin C, which is really good for you, and, um, you know, all the citrusy things and things like that. So I didn't really want to cover, like, a lot of orange foods because that's really, no, you know, a lot of people know about those things. Um, and there really aren't that – I mean, there's several orange foods, but, you know, vitamin C is really good for you and, and all of that. But I really wanted to get into, like, some orange um some orange herbs and um so some other but some other aspects of orange uh when you're using it in magic is for creativity, self-expression, intellectual matters, overcoming addiction, legal matters, justice, joy, business success, ambition, vitality, fun, action, celebration and investments. So all of those things can really be related to opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I can see that. Right. So, calendula. Um, calendula is the actual name for marigolds. And I'm sure oh. that a lot of people have heard about marigolds, but they don't know that marigolds are edible. Really? Are they edible? Yes, they're edible. <laughs> So, like, the normal, regular marigolds, like, you know, if you're a gardener, you always want to plant marigolds around your gardens because it, um, you know, it repels pests and, you know, it repels deer and things like that. So, yeah, I know but, what um, things. I, don't, I can't ever remember what specifically marigold repels. Right, lots of um, bugs and things like that. It helps, and, and deer, so like those those things that want to eat your vegetables, plant marigolds all around them, and that will, um, you know, make them go away. So um, calendula 
you can actually eat the flowers or you can actually, or you can make calendula tea or um like tonics or uh tinctures and things like that and um it's extremely anti-inflammatory it has very um powerful flavonoids which are um <clears throat> plant-based antioxidants that destroy uh free radicals so it kind of works almost like along the lines of um, vitamin C as well. Yeah. So Don't it's um, very anti-inflammatory. Huh? Don't forget to do the Go ahead, disclaimer. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, do the disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Just, just in case. Let me do the disclaimer. Yeah. Um, this is not to be used in lieu of medical advice. Before you know, journeying along the lines of any kind of herbology or self-treatment, please, you know, find your, go to your doctor and ask your doctor um, advice and such as that, right? That's right. Yeah, don't don't be picking no, no marigolds and have been sprayed with pesticides and eating the flowers and blaming us for it because <laughs> we did not tell you to go do that. Hey, don't sue us. <laughs> don't sue us, please. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <clears throat> so, also, so because, right, so, so yes, definitely consult your physician, but after you consult your physician, you can get calendula um, tonics or make your own. There's lots and lots of recipes available online. You know, um, so the anti-inflammatory properties also make a really potent remedy for issues like inflammatory issues like diaper rash, ear infections, sore throat, and um, uh, stuff like that. It can help calm muscle spasms, it can help with constipation, it can um, heal ulcers and hemorrhoids. So if you're having, like, digestive issues or you're having problems um, with hemorrhoids, then the calendula can help, you know, reduce the inflammatory. Um, it can also help with um, inflammatory uh, issues with your PMS. And, you know, so that helps, you know, it helps because it helps relax your muscles if you're having cramps and things like that, and it can also help um, your inflammation of your uterus when you're having, you know, your period. So, um, you know, and it also, they've, I didn't know this, but they've been using uh, calendula in different kinds of toothpaste because it really? helps improve your oral health. Really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Either. Well, why do, why don't you have I did not know that. I just so, found that when I was like, I was like, but that makes sense. Well, why why don't you have any marigolds in, in your garden, then? Um, they're dead right now because it's winter. I did have oh, them in my circle bed. Yeah. Oh, in your circle bed? Yeah, because they're annuals, so you had to like replant them every year. They only last one season. Oh, for one year. <laughs> yeah, but I saved all my seed heads. So I like right now what I'm trying to do is um I got one pack of marigolds like a couple years ago and then I planted that and then I saved all the seed heads from that small amount of flowers and then the next year I planted those 
seeds and got more. And so this year I have like way, way more. So I'm hoping that whole circle bed will be full of marigolds. And then I can actually have enough there that I can use the flowers and have enough to save the seeds. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely be making some some marigold some marigold concoctions if we if we get to you know get to have some. Yeah, I'm hoping that we'll have plenty um, this year because I had got so many uh, seeds from last year. So yeah, yeah, get some marigolds. They're good for lots and lots of different things, and you can use the um, the flowers or you know. You can also use the roots, but I don't have any um, recipes for the roots. But well, I'm lots sure of, um, find them online, you know. Right, right, yeah. So, and or you know, if you don't want to grow your own marigolds and make your own tinctures, there are lots of tinctures out there for sale and calendula oil for sale. Um, just find a reputable herbalist. And you know, you can still get the benefits of calendula that way, even if you don't make it yourself. Although I always, you know, encourage people to make it themselves just because it's a very um, it's a very healing activity to do it yourself and to, like, connect with, you know, the herb or the plant in that way. Yeah. Too bad we can't do um, sacred gathering like uh the native americans used to in this country because there's actually um there's actually gather there's gathering laws that are in place all over the 50 states and each state has its own gathering laws so certain stuff that you're you're it's actually illegal to gather and certain stuff you and a lot of stuff you don't even really you really shouldn't gather wild anymore which is really sad but you shouldn't do it because of all the pesticides that may have been sprayed or fertilizer runoff and toxic gas runoff and all that stuff because, you know, even even 60, 70 years ago, it was easier to bypass. There wasn't as many, you know, pesticides and, or uh, gathering laws. But I know I, because of the book I've been reading, I read recently was uh, about – Saging and Native Americans, and they, and it was basically talking. Part of it was talking about um, gathering and how to gather from the plant. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me really sad that people can't go out and gather herbs and plants and roots and stuff like, like, like they could. Yeah, because it grew so, for free and it was clean and it was like a gift from the earth, and we ruined it. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, what is Clip Daga? Because I have never heard of Clip Daga, and I don't really know. I have no idea what it is. Okay. <laughs> Clip Daga, you know, I like to talk about dreams. So, yeah. Clip Daga is another, <clears throat> it's another one of those, um, it's another one of those dreaming type of herbs, and it's, it's, um, you know, lots of people use it for different things, and um, then its its real name is Leonidas, Leonurus. So it's um, it's also called Lion's Tail. 
And the reason why it's called lion's tail is because the flowers are bright orange. And when you pick them, it's like a fluffy lion's tail. Oh, really? Yeah. So, And they're really pretty. And, um, you know, this, again, obviously, consult your physician. And he's probably going to say don't consume clip daga or any wild daga. But um, it has a lot of really interesting – It's actually a member of the mint family and it has a lot of um interesting medicinal properties and it can actually uh promote euphoria and exuberance when you smoke it and um so it's like mildly psychoactive and some people also call it like little marijuana or marijuana um but I didn't really get that from it when I took it. It helped me, like, relax, and I dreamed, like, really, um, like, very vivid, almost, like, lucid dreams when I so um, you, you, took it. You, you took it? You didn't smoke it? No, I actually made a tea out of it. Oh, okay. I didn't smoke it. Yeah. I mean, you can smoke it, but I don't... I don't really... um like to smoke a lot of herbs, like normally like herbs that you can smoke. Like I <clears throat> I prefer to like do the tea, like the blue lotus and things like that and the um Kalea Zacatichichi. Like you can uh smoke that as well, but I, I never smoked it. I just made the tea out of it just because I feel like it gives you like a different experience. I don't like to smoke like a bunch of different leaves. It's just not my thing. Well, yeah, and if you smoke a lot of stuff, it's it's not good on your on your lungs. Right? Yeah, it makes but you cough and just yeah, just yicky. But no, um, when I did it, I when I uh took the the clip daga, I made a tea out of it and just kind of like drank a little bit of tea, which was terrible, and went to sleep and then just had like lucid dreams. So, um. But they have used really it cool. in the past, too. Huh? I said that sounds really cool. You know, it was one of, you know, that's one of those things that I really um, like to experience is, like, different kinds of dreams. You know, it's, like, different herbs that can help you with reaching those messages that you can't quite get on your own. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, I totally feel that. I mean, I I don't need any help in that particular aspect. <laughs> but right. for some people, it is very, it is really difficult. Some people, some people don't say they don't even dream at all. I'm like, I know you dream, you just don't remember your dreams. <laughs> you know. Right. And um, when I was younger, I would, I it was a lot easier for me to remember my dreams. But now that I'm older, like sometimes I just get this feeling that there's a there's a um, a message that I can't quite get to. You know what I mean? That's why you got to write them down like I do every, after, I as know. soon as you wake up. And then you'll start remembering everything. Right. No, I know. I know. But um, you just got to get into the habit of doing it. I know. I do have to get back. I did that a lot when I was younger, but I just don't do it anymore. And, um... Yeah, Most of the time, I'm just like, yeah. So, um, but, you know, wild daga or clip daga also has medicinal uses. 
So um, it has actually been used, the leaves and roots have been used for remedies for snake bites or stings. Um, you know, applied externally, it can treat boils, eczema, and skin diseases. Well, I definitely need um, as well as, like, Yeah, as well as interior, um, it's been used to treat coughs, colds, and bronchitis, as well as headaches caused by high blood pressure. So, you know, it, it's a very calming herb, and it's been used in Chinese and Vietnamese medicine for, like, a, you know, thousands of years. So I just thought it was really one of those um, really standout orange herbs that I wanted to make sure that I talked about. Well, sounds like um, people can get a lot of benefit from from it. So, um, and what about uh, cardamom? Now, I, I know cardamom is, is a spice, correct? It is a spice. Yes, it is an it is a spice from India, and it yeah. has been used in Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine for thousands of years. And it's a common spice that you use. Um, it's in curry, I believe. They use it in like curry mixes, and you can just get the cardamom by itself. It's like, kind of like a like a nut type spice and. Um, it has a hole, and then you open the hole up, and it has little seeds inside, and you grind those up, and that's your spice. So, um, and it's, it is like literally the third most expensive spice in the world. Only, really? Yeah, so saffron and vanilla are the first and second most expensive spices in the world. Cardamom is the third. Wow. Right. But it is incredibly nutritious, and it has been used to treat a slew of medical conditions. Okay? So I'm just going to give you, like, a quick rundown of everything (laughs) they've used cardamom to treat. So Ayurvedic medicine says that it prevents colorectal cancer, protects heart health, it's an antidepressant, prevents gastrointestinal diseases, it has antimicrobial properties, it's an antispasmodic and an anti-inflammatory, it's good for your teeth, it's anti-asthmatic, it detoxifies your body, improves your blood circulation, and treats nausea, sore throats, and vomiting. Wow. Right. That, that sounds like a lot of lot of things can really be uh, benefited from this particular spice. Right. It's one of it those of- um all around amazing or uh spices. You know, it's technically considered a spice. But it is incredibly amazing and it is so good for you. Um, it has a very strong flavor, but if you can tolerate the strong flavor, you can, you know, eat it with something else. I would recommend you add that to your diet if you have any of those issues. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people that have inflammation, um, and all of I think. All of the herbs and and stuff that you've talked about today all reduce inflammation. Exactly, because um, that's kind of, uh, 
you know, because orange is in the red family. So red, orange, and yellow things are really good for anti-inflammatories. That those that hot rain. Yeah. Um, so like, I like to use a turmeric for anti-inflammatory stuff, just because it's readily available. I mean, right. So, but that could be some some more things that you could add to like your your um, spice health cabinet. You know, you can because you know like we talked about the red. We talked about cayenne. Did we talk about cayenne pepper last time when we did the red? I don't remember. I don't. I'm I'm not sure. I don't remember, but so like red, like the cayenne pepper, that's anti-inflammatory as well. Yeah, I wish we need to be eating more of those. (laughs) At least I do. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and then, you know, as we talk about more and more, you know, you can just get it and add it in there and, you know, just add it to your noodles every day or whatever. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so that was kind of like my little, my little step, you know. Um, I wanted to talk about those herbs, those orange herbs, the herbs of opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, what do you have on your agenda for tonight? What kind of uh, rocks are we going to be talking about? Um, I only have one that I really want to talk about, and uh, that's carnelian. And uh, cool. Yeah, and I also want to talk about, of course, the sacral chakra and what it means and what you can do about balancing or healing it. And I also kind of want to talk about Patty a little bit. Okay. So what do you want to talk about first? Well, and, um, you know, tonight's, uh, sorry, the object of tonight's show is, Orange, so Patty, uh, the cat, so our local cat is orange, right? And he is. That's about it. <laughs> Patty is orange. <laughs> Patty is orange. He is an orange cat, and um, he seeks every opportunity he can to eat birds <laughs> and squirrels, and uh, he protects our garden very well. Yeah, he's he's pretty great. That's about now, it did, <laughs> with Patty. Did you get Patty? Did we adopt Patty for your for your sixteenth birthday? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Awesome. Yeah. So he's been with us for what six years now. Is that right? Um. Uh, Something like that. I think it'll be no. Um, I think it'll be seven years this year. Oh yeah, well yeah. So like six and a half, almost seven. Yeah, so we've had him almost seven. He's almost seven years old. He's still I know flying he was, around. He was only a day old when we got him and his litter. Yep, he was in our very first litter of kittens that we uh, fostered. Yeah, and he's the only one that survived. 
Yep, he's the only one that survived, so we we had to adopt him. Uh, I had to adopt him because he was my baby. That was my baby. I loved him so much. I know. He would sit on your shoulder when he was so teeny tiny and just, like, curl up in your hair. What do you mean when he was teeny tiny? He still does that. He still jumps on my shoulder even though he's gigantic. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's why he does that because he got used to it when he was little itty-bitty. And now he's like, what? What? Why can't I do that? (laughs) I know. But, yeah, Patty's pretty awesome. He, He protects our home. Wards off evil spirits, pretty much. Right. He does. And I agree. Away. But, um, yeah. yeah, so uh, do you, when are we going to play another song, by the way? Oh, do you want me to play another song? I, I have several that I can play here. Um, so uh, that's cool. Let me How see. How long are we going to um, already 10. Right. Yeah, and uh, so let me go ahead and play Ariana's Blessing. And let me tell you, Pam, again, Pam, sent me the song earlier, and it gave me goosebumps. And I want to see if it does gives you the same um, reaction. Um, okay. All right, so well, this is Kiva with Ariana's Blessing. May you walk the shores of harmony. May you live a life of peace. May you fill your cup of joy. May you all find hope.
Rihanna's Blessing by Kiva. What do you think about that? Um, it was definitely very pretty. I think it would ha- have been a little better for me if it wasn't so scratchy because for some reason, whenever I hear the songs on the on the call in line, they sound kind of scratchy. Huh. I don't know. That's weird. Like, it doesn't like sound not, that way to me, but... It's, it's very kind of in and out and scratchy and kind of sounds like it's low quality, but I know it's not. So I don't know. I feel like if I had, like, a good quality version of that song and I had it with headphones in, it would be better <laughs> for me. Right. Okay, well, I'll make sure that I send it to you, send you that link so you can hear it with your headphones. So let's uh tell me tell me about your stone that you wanted to talk about tonight. Now what did you say it was? Um, I'm gonna be talking about orange carnelian. Yeah, so tell me about carnelian. Well, the scientific side of it, because I know you like to know that kind of stuff. Is I do. a a type of Chalcedony, Chalcedony, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that because I've never heard it out loud, but it's a type of Chalcedony which is um, in the quartz family. Nice. So it's, it's it's another kind of quartz. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stones that are in the quartz, like a lot of important kind of stones or semi-precious stones or precious gemstones that are in the quartz family. Seems like all the time whenever I find stones or talk about stones, they're part of the quartz family, which I find interesting. Right. But um, orange carnelian is is associated with um, associated with love and you know uh, children fertility. Um, it's the you know it's it's orange, so it's the, the color of creativity, and it can really help you with any kind of creative any kind of creative thing that you're doing or if you want to enhance your creativity or whatever. Um, I I actually, I've had a bad, not not a really bad relationship with the color orange in particular and with the sacral chakra, which is the orange chakra. Uh-huh. So um, it's, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it. I mean, kind of, because I'm I'm literally in the process of, understanding and trying to heal and balance my my sacral chakra right so like i have literally zero orange clothing right but but the the orange chakra the sacral chakra it's located um basically i like to think like mine i feel like it's located right at the the base of my spine, you know, the, you, your tailbone area. Uh-huh. And the sacral chakra is all about, uh, like, creativity and, and you know, sensuality and feelings and intimacy and going with the flow. And it's also your emotional center. 
so right. So if if your sacral chakra is either underactive or overactive, then mm-hmm. it's it's uh, not good. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. That happens. Um, but right. Oh, so if yeah. you, it so if it's let me okay. So if your chakra, if your orange chakra is underactive, um, that can kind of make you like not really emotional at all. Yeah. So yeah. and if it's overactive then that makes you, like, too emotional, like, just completely rolled by your emotions. Yes, and, you know, feelings of guilt and stuff like that. Right, right. So if you're, but if your orange chakra is balanced, that's where the creativity comes in because that's where you're feeling those emotions, but they're not overwhelming you, and you're able to, like, transform them into creativity. Uh, right, and you know, the sacral chakra is all about pleasure and feeling good, and you know, feeling really and being in control of your emotions, and just really all about feeling good. While the it's and it's right above your root chakra, which is all about mm-hmm. survival. So we have survival, and then we have feeling good, and then after that right. we have you know, your solar plexus, which is um, feeling good about, your, you know, self-worth, self, self-esteem. But really, if any of these are out of balance, it can really affect all the rest of your your, your chakras. It, you know, if, if one is, is out of alignment, then it can cause other, it can cause others to be out of alignment as well. Like, uh, right. for my sacred I literally go to therapy, you know, I literally go to physical therapy um, because, uh, not because of it, but, you know, to basically to help that. Right. Right. So, um, so that's what you're working on with your therapy is balancing that orange chakra. Yes. And healing the physical, uh, the the physical body that surrounds it and helping, you know, get it in alignment. Because right. I, 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 one of the reasons why I never liked orange, never associated with orange, and you know, never felt good about orange is I think because of all the damage I've had to my uh, sacral uh, chakra area. Right, and it's really. Uh, deep damage so like for for other people you know it really just depends on what you've been through and um how you acquired these wounds and then you need to understand where your holes are in your in like in your aura and stuff and and then uh, go about healing them and you know different things work for different people like going to therapy going to physical therapy has really helped me a lot. It's helped me so much. It's it's really incredible. Right. Yeah, I know. I can tell that it's really helpful. Um, and there are other therapies that you can do as well to help find those um, find those uh, spots that you may have issues with in your 
energy. You can do um, like Reiki and stuff like that too, right? Yeah, I I don't really know too much about Reiki, but I just, you know, I just try to do what feels right to me personally, you know? Right. Right, and that's what I would recommend that everyone should do. Everyone should definitely um, find those things that, that, that work for them. Exactly, yes. And what something that may work for one person may not work for for another, and that's okay. We're all different, and we've all had different things we've had to deal with and experience, you know. So, But as long as you're aware and you're trying and, you know, it, it'll, it'll get better, you know. Sometimes you just got to actively work on it. And then you're like, oh, that's what's wrong. Okay, I know how to fix right. it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Definitely. That, you know, we all have those aha moments throughout our journeys where we, where we go, oh, that's what that was. Or, you know, that thing that I struggled with for so, so, so long and, you know, all of that. So definitely. So did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or anything else you wanted to say about the um, orange chakra? Um, Well, I can just say some some general things that can help with balancing or healing your uh, sacral chakra. Um, Dancing, some people, dancing can really help them. Um, Therapy, whether physical or mental, uh, can also help. Um, And because it's it's all about, um, you know, the sacral chakra is all about pleasure. It's, you know, you you really you should focus on doing what makes you happy. Do you find joy in, you know, and do more of it, you know? Right. Like I really enjoy doing this show, so I try to make sure that I put that time aside, like every week, to do this because it makes me happy. I like to talk about stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, then you're you're you know supporting your sacral chakra every time you do it. Then if if you do something that makes you happy. Well, awesome. You know. And that's 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 pretty much it. Um, I'm still working on orange. Um, it was actually a lot easier to uh, like once I started healing my solar plexus chakra and my other chakras as well, I could see the it I could really see the issues with my sacral chakra. And it's like I couldn't even I didn't even recognize it. Like I didn't even really pay any attention to it, you know. I never associated with orange or with with it. So but now I'm able to see it very clearly since I've been working really hard on on straightening my own energies out and it's it's been been a journey and it's been very helpful for me right yeah well i'm so glad i mean you know it's a journey definitely i would say you know we all journey our entire lives and and you know i just want to um you know do do whatever i can to help you and help 
everyone around us and to help, you know, the people that are listening and, you know, just want to try to make the world a little bit better. Yeah. Also, if anyone saw my post on Instagram or if anyone is here from the coast and they, and if they weren't sure what exactly I posted, um, that was my Himalayan salt lamp. It glows and it's made from real Himalayan salt and it has kind of an orangey tint to it, especially when the light was all the way up. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my Himalayan salt lamp. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it really Yes, that was um, a Yule gift. That was a Yule yeah. gift. Thank you. And make sure if you get one of those, make sure it's actually Himalayan salt because there's plenty of fakes and, you know, knock crappy off. ones out there. Yeah, knockoff. Make sure you get true Himalayan salt. Cool. But yeah. Alrighty. Well, I have I actually have two more songs that I can play. And um which one should I play first? I have um Spiral Dance Into the Green, which I think I've played that one before, but I'm not sure. But I really, I really like it. And I think you that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think I was going to play, I think I have played it before, but I'm going to play it again. And then I have um, The Pipes of Pan by Damn the Bard. So I think I'm going to close with that one. Because it is spring, and it's time for Pan to be playing his pipes and for things to start growing and, you know, flourishing and all that um, energy. And also it is... Mercury retrograde. It's time for you to blame everything on Mercury retrograde right now. <laughs> oh, great. So, I didn't even know. Yes, it's Mercury retrograde right now. I love to blame it, everything that happens on Mercury retrograde. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do too, so it's okay. Yeah, that's like normally, like I have to say this Mercury retrograde, it has not been bad. But normally during Mercury retrograde, every like all of my electronics malfunction constantly, constantly. Yeah. All right. So if you want to say good night, I'm gonna say good night, and I am going to play us out with two songs that I really, really like. And the first one is gonna be Spiral <clears throat> Dance into the Green. Good night. This is Maggie the Green. You can follow us on uh, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, Petals and Potions. And, um, well, yeah, you know, you can find us on uh, Facebook. You can email us at petalsandpotionsptrn at gmail.com. And a very happy Vernal Equinox and a very happy Aussie. Dara to everyone. You're, if you wanted to say good night to everyone, Daph. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to play the song. Uh, good night, everyone. Uh, blessings for the spring for, for the spring equinox. You know, 
get your get your spirit spring cleaning in order. And this is Jewel signing off.
You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 